Welcome to the Move to Value podcast, powered by Chess Health Solutions. The Move to Value podcast is dedicated to helping healthcare providers understand and make the transition into value-based care. We do this through conversations and the sharing of innovative ideas with experts and leaders throughout the healthcare industry. Our mission is to sustainably transform the healthcare experience for the patient, provider, and care team by cultivating a value-oriented, compassionate, and health-aligned community. In this episode of the Move to Value podcast, we talk with the director of the Center for Healthcare Innovation, Dr. Jeff Williamson. Dr. Williamson is also professor and chief of geriatric medicine at the Wake Forest School of Medicine. Dr. Williamson, welcome to the Move to Value podcast. Can you talk to me about the Center for Healthcare Innovation and the Center for Aging, and what is the mission of each? Yeah. Well, the Center for Healthcare Innovation was really uh, founded uh, on the concept that we needed a vehicle for more rapid communication and translation of our discovery into the patient's environment, whether that's wellness or actually the delivery of care, for example, in the hospital. So Wake Forest is known around the world for its research. It's a research institution. Uh, But many of the things we discover are implemented 20 years after the discovery, or they're implemented in some health system halfway across the nation. So that was really the purpose for, for the Center for Healthcare Innovations. We've had for many years a sister center, so to speak, Wake Forest Innovations, which is about commercializing discovery, you know, a new kind of hip replacement or a new enzyme. But our center is specifically tasked with taking a lot of that discovery that's not commercializable but has tremendous value to patients, their families, and to the healthcare system and getting that more rapidly to the front lines. You also asked me about geriatric medicine. Wake Forest really has a, a, a clinical entity the, uh, it's called the Section on Geriatric Medicine and Gerontology, which I'm head of. Then there's the Center for Healthy Aging and Alzheimer's Prevention. Uh, I'm a clinical leader of that. The center is actually led by doctors uh, Stephen Krzyzewski and Suzanne Kraft, their research faculty. But uh, the, our mission of all of that together is to find more ways to help prevent disability with aging. So when I mean disability, uh, a simple way to put it is how can we prevent the two most common reasons that someone moves from their home and into an assisted living or nursing home facility? And either they have difficulty walking or difficulty remembering. So our, our main thrust of our research is understanding how to delay or prevent loss of particularly leg strength and walking and loss of brain health, uh, the most common form of which is Alzheimer's disease. That's really the purpose of the of geriatrics and the Center for Healthcare Innovation, and all, even all of our clinical care. Uh, when I take care of patients, I'm thinking of them holistically as how can I help you preserve your ability to walk and think? Even if you have 10 diseases at 90, the successful patient to me might have 10 diseases, but they're still interacting with their family, they're remembering those interactions, and they're still able to, to uh, physically contribute to family life. Um, you know, uh, we all want to be that patient that uh, at 95 just doesn't wake up one morning. And the night before we were, you know, uh, h- hugging our honey or, uh, or reading to our grandchildren, tucking great-grandchildren, tucking them to bed. That's the goal. 
So that's what we do. And we, we really try to marry those two goals between the Center for Healthcare Innovation that I'll talk about a little bit later and uh, geriatric medicine and the, the STIC Center for Healthy Aging and Alzheimer's Prevention. Well, you touched on this a moment ago, but I would like you to elaborate on how you see this work impacting patients' quality of life. Yes. Uh, I see a, a lot of patients, uh, you know, journey through the healthcare system, and at the end of that journey, they're not really sure are they better off or not, um, and has the healthcare system addressed what's the most important thing to them? And usually what I find is that patients, especially this Center for Healthcare Innovation, is unique in the nation, even in the world. There is no other one that's focused on uh, wellness and healthcare delivery for the senior population. That's a major focus of ours. And for that population, we want to make it so that uh, the people caring for them have the tools at their disposal to increase the joy that they have of working with older people. And we want to make it so that the, the patients, the citizens, the participants at the end of that experience say, I know more about myself. Uh, I, this was a much easier experience than, than the complicated healthcare system that we've had to navigate before. And finally, that the care that I received was tailored to where I am in my functional health, and not just my numeric health. Well, Dr. Williamson, chess has done a lot of work with social determinants around removing barriers in the home that impact the elderly population. Can you tell me about the work your team is doing in this space that exists beyond clinical care? So there has been, over the last decade and a half, a lot of talk about personalized medicine. And a lot of that uh, generated from genetic research. Can I match a person's genes to their treatment plan? But for me and for many of my colleagues in, this, in the uh, Center for Healthcare Innovation, personalized health is matching the care plan to where someone is in terms of their, the social factors and social determinant headwinds that they might face. It might be factors related to where they are in terms of their functional health, their cognitive health, uh, their family structure. Um, and so personalized medicine goes well beyond genes, and that is in many ways the core of the mission uh, of the Center for Healthcare Innovation, to help healthcare providers, doctors, nurses, therapists, and their patients to personalize the healthcare based on whether they're frail or not, whether they're Highly functioning. Are they playing tennis? And I have, I have a lot of patients who are in their late 80s and early 90s who play tennis two or three times a week. And I have some who the biggest challenge for them is getting out of bed and going to the mailbox every day. So I want to personalize that care to each one of those. As we're talking about ideation, development, and innovation, I'd like to know what your recommendation would be for how we can all work together to expedite research from the bench to the bedside. One of the uh, both banes and blessings of the last decade or so has been the development of the electronic health record. And because of that and the, the times that we live in, which are amazing, where there's tremendous computing power, 
we can combine those now to actually rapidly uh, understand a person's health status. We can understand their social determinants of health status. We can understand their cognitive and their physical health. And we can put all that into a, an equation that helps a doctor or a nurse or a therapist standing in front of them know exactly where this person is so they can start the therapy where the patient is and not just a generic start. So um, the, the answer to your question is, is the way we can do that is to combine the electronic health record technology we have with the desires of the patient and the, the healthcare system. Are we there? We're nowhere near there yet. We're still, in many cases, practicing as if it was, as if it was 2000 or 1980. Uh, but slowly, we're, we're beginning to make uh, changes in that regard. Uh, the electronic frailty index, which we haven't talked about in this interview, but you and I have talked about it personally, uh, is an example of that. We can now start treatment based on how healthy or how frail a person is. Actually, we have someone working with us now who wants to rename that the Electronic Healthy Index um, because it, it actually measures all spectrums of people, not just frail. It measures health. And so, um, uh, but that's an example of how we begin to uh, personalize health care. And, and that opens up a ton of innovation for personalizing health care. We're just on the very beginning of, of what I could see as a wonderful and beautiful journey to try and do that. You know, when you go to Walmart or you go to in any department store or even you go fishing, you, you have a specific interaction in mind. Still, the healthcare system is very generic. I mean, you don't, it, it doesn't uh, match the consumer with the consumer and the consumer's desires with our services very well yet. And so uh, we want to we want to help that. That's a very important piece of the innovation that we have. What problems or pain points can the CHI team solve for health systems, for providers, for patients, for family members? Well, one of the important um, uh, events in the past 48 months or, or longer has been the combination of healthcare systems into. You know, the Wake Forest, uh, for example, healthcare system uh, combining with Atrium, uh, at least in parts. So this then increases our ability to work with providers in many locations, whether that's inner city or rural areas, to bring some of the kind of care that uh, we've been talking about, even in this podcast, to more people in a more efficient way. Uh, many people, for example, in this nation, maybe even the majority of people, uh, live, you know, hundreds of miles or 100 miles from a, a geriatric specialist. But now, with our work in the Innovation Center, we can take their electronic health data, understand that they might need a geriatrician, and actually do at least a virtual visit, which isn't as good as an in-person visit still with a geriatrician, but it's better than nothing. And so we can begin to help people understand how can I uh, prevent or preserve my cognitive function who live in uh, far-flung places of the world or who just don't have, they might live 
very close to this microphone. Uh, but uh, traveling to the physician to take their mom to the physician is too hard, but maybe they can do that from their living room or from a, a doctor's office in their neighborhood. So that's how we can begin to bring innovation into the neighborhoods and the communities where people are living without them having to come to some ivory tower. That's our goal. And how do you see the role of the Geriatric Emergency Department fitting into that? Yes. Uh, you and I just were talking about the you know, concept of uh, the, the fact that emergency rooms are packed uh, around the country. And I think one of the, one of the reasons for that is, is we have not begun to rethink uh, emergency care. You know, we, we, we're still practicing it as if, as if it's like 1975 in some ways. Not, not technologically practicing it, but uh, in terms of customer service practicing it that way. So uh, for many years, we've had pediatric emergency rooms, but now uh, the fastest growing part of our population, and, and really one of the largest parts, are older people. And uh, emergency rooms uh, uh, are often not a friendly place for older people. So we, there, there is a movement in the country. There are some places already that are developing, just like we have pediatric emergency departments, they're developing geriatric emergency departments where we can then implement um, what uh, electronic health record uh, metrics that tell us already this person was frail before they ever got here or they had cognitive impairment or dementia before they ever got here. And we can then adjust our protocols according to that. So uh, I think uh, this is going to be uh, an increasing uh, demand, but also an increasing um, implementation of uh, geriatric emergency rooms and geriatric protocols more for emergency rooms. So, Dr. Williamson, tell me, what are some of the cool ideas that your team is investigating now? Well, uh, you and I have already talked about the, the frailty index, which, again, might be renamed the, the healthy aging index uh, as well. But that has tremendous um, uh, applicability to many areas of medicine. For example, um, our cardiology uh, teams, our cardiovascular medicine teams, are, are trying to uh, identify uh, people who are in that sort of middle ground. They're not frail, but they're not healthy. But those are the people who often get a procedure and it uh, and they actually never recover. Their function is worse rather than better. Um, you know, they spend you know many days in an intensive care unit or in a nursing home and actually don't ever return home. So one of the projects that we're really working on now is. How can that electronic health index help refine, especially people in the middle? We're doing pretty good already with someone who's very frail. We don't, we don't put them through chemotherapy or operations. But can we, can we identify people in that middle group who this means everything to restoring their function or it means actually the worst possible thing to reducing their function if we operate on them or replace their aortic valve, um, et cetera? That's a big project. We're doing exactly the same thing. We're beginning to do this with cancer therapy. What people in that middle will chemotherapy actually help restore them like a younger person or give them a longer functional life? But what people who, if we give them chemotherapy, we're actually shortening their life by doing that. So uh, that's a big, a big product project for us, uh, and that will use uh, data. 
we'll, we'll begin to look and look and see what are the factors that we didn't really realize were factors uh, in this, such as maybe these people have what we call subclinical uh, cognitive impairment. They're beginning to have an unhealthy brain, and so the chemotherapy actually makes that even more unhealthy. Um, uh, and so that, that's just one example. Or there's some people that their social determinants of health headwinds were so high that we need to address all that before we started replacing their heart valve, um, that kind of thing. We have another uh, very important project, uh, uh, one of the quote-unquote holy grails of, of dementia research is can we begin to identify people early, much earlier than what I often say is, is that it, the next-door neighbor can diagnose that someone has Alzheimer's disease or not. That doesn't take a professional physician. But understanding very early in the co course of the disease when you can do something about it, right now there's not any tests that, that we do for that. Um, but we believe there, there are signals in the electronic health record, um, in, in some of the billing and prescription refill records that will begin to help us identify people who may be having some memory difficulty, and we can start working with them and their families early. Um, we're also working a lot on, uh, the, the, on remote patient monitoring, so small devices that could be used in communities that are not very close to the hospital uh, but that could tell us a lot more about what's going on with the patient. Um, are they walking more slowly today than they did last year? Just by testing them for a week, putting a little dot on them. Um, and uh, can we gather some, some of the information without them having to travel, take a day off of work with their family member to uh, get information? Can we start getting some of that information at home? That's a, that's a really uh, big one. We just actually published a, a paper also uh, working uh, with uh, Verily Health, which is a, a sort of a it's, a, it's a division that's in the same company that Google is in, measuring people's temperature with a little patch about the size of a quarter that they just wear. It tells their temperature every day. But that's really important in retirement homes because uh, temperature changes uh, were often undetected and then COVID breaks out in the facility and infected a lot of people before they ever knew. So those are the kind of things we're, we're really working on now. Wow. So much potential and opportunity. So with that said, how can chess and CHI work together to change the world? Uh, we, chess is, uh, in many ways, the, the best laboratory for the CHI. All, all kinds of research need uh, uh, congenial and convenient laboratories to test new ideas, especially an innovation center. So we've been partnering with CHESS, as you know, to uh, implement the electronic uh, frailty or the electronic healthy index um, so that we can help uh, primary practitioners identify uh, patients who are more prone to miss a visit, for example, um, can identify people who they need to prioritize for vaccinations, or can identify people who really maybe the last thing they need is a dermatologic surgery, but instead they need advanced care planning um, or a colonoscopy. It might, might be less important for them to get a colonoscopy than an advanced care plan. Um, so uh, CHESS is the laboratory in which we're looking for early adopters of, uh, of, of innovation to help them improve the personalized care they want to deliver to patients. CHESS has a group of, of, of 
clinicians, be they nurses, nurse practitioners, physicians, etc., who are willing to think about, uh, you know, the old Wayne Gretzky thing, about where the puck's going and not just where it is. They're willing to think about where is the healthcare system going? Where does it need to go to be a better citizen? Um, you know, we talk about uh, corporate citizens. Well, there's healthcare citizenship. Um, and so I think uh, chess uh, seems to attract people who are wanting to, to uh, especially improve the citizenship of the healthcare system. And that's how we can really partner. What we also need in that partnership from CHESS are the frontline clinical providers coming to us through the CHESS leadership and saying, boy, here's something you could really help us with. Um, we may or may not be able to help, help, but until we know what the pain points for providing better care are, we might be working on something that has no relevance to the front line. So that's also part of this partnership. Well, what is the next frontier? I, I like to use the analogy of Amazon, uh, and probably others are using it now, but I always think I did it first. But people purchase consumer goods from their living room now. And I think there's a huge hunger to produce healthcare services from your living room. And to me, I think that's part of the uh, that's that's part of the mission. That's part of the frontier uh, that will expand better better health. Actually, people want to purchase wellness from their living room. You can't purchase an ICU in your living room, but you can purchase wellness and information to help you age successfully, like we talked about at the very beginning, to preserve physical and cognitive function for as long as possible, that's the frontier that I think is going to be really important over the next five to ten years. Uh, giving people from all walks of life, all socioeconomic status, uh, access, equitable access to information that can help them live productive lives in their families and their communities. Well, Dr. Jeff Williamson, thank you for joining us today on the Move to Value podcast. Tom, it's been a pleasure for me to do this, and I just really have enjoyed talking with you. And even as I'm talking and listening, I'm, I'm thinking about the exciting opportunities we have in the future. Thanks for listening to the Move to Value podcast, powered by Chess Health Solutions, where our mission is to sustainably transform the healthcare experience for the patient, provider, and care team. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. As always, you can head over to movetovaluepodcast.com to sign up for the email list, as well as check out all the resources in the show notes. If you are interested in continuing to hear about value-based care and how it impacts you, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, we would love it if you would share the Move to Value podcast across social media and leave a rating and review. See you next time.